Okay, would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful that you have bound your presence to very ordinary things like bread and wine and juice, through prayers that we utter, through a word, through a book. We ask that your living presence might make itself known to every person in this room. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. In 2013, two comedians uh, decided to start something called Sunday Assembly. And it wasn't a joke. They were completely sincere, and this was their motive. They said, we both wanted to do something like church, but without God. And so they started this Sunday assembly, and at their first one, they had 300 people. And since that time, it's grown. You may have heard of this. There's about 70 assemblies around the globe right now. And in these assemblies, there are certain things that you'll typically find, certain elements in the meeting. For instance, there's singing of pop songs, and then uh, there's often a poetry reading, an inspiration, inspirational or interesting lecture that's given. Afterward, they have a coffee hour. After that time, they'll sometimes meet for social events, even do service together. Now, that might remind you of something, right? Sounds a lot like what Christians do, church. But I think what's most significant is what the longing represents, right? Whether you are a Christian or whether you are other than a Christian, I know this much, you long for rest. You long for Sabbath. The word means to cease. Now, as we think about that, we have to think about the tradition of this faith, the Christian faith, and how from its earliest pages, what's fundamental to the faith is this idea of Sabbath or rest. You find it at the beginning of the book. It really runs all the way throughout. And it was a fundamental part of Israel's worship. Now, we've moved into the final category of our study of Israel's worship. Remember, we started by looking at sacred places and then sacred actions, sacred people, and now we're into sacred time. The way we relate to time tells a lot about ourselves. Someone has said that uh, modern people are much like a group of folks that enter a muse museum 20 minutes before it closes, and they just rush to see all the exhibits. You know, for all the time-saving devices we have in our day, this is what we're like, right? We live with FOMO, fear of missing out. We're people that are constantly thinking about what's next. We struggle to rest, even though for some of us, I would even say this, for those of us that are even given ample vacation, do we take it? A lot of people struggle to even do that. Pastors are some of the worst when it gets to that. But the Bible says that time is holy because we live in the presence of God. And so as God talks to Israel about their sacred festivals and their feasts and their Sabbath, 
He's wanting to communicate something deep to them about who they are, who He is, and what He wants to give to them and give to you and I. And so what I'd like to do is spend a little time for us to look at the why of the Sabbath principle and the what. The why and the what. So let's look at the why first. If you look at the history of pleasure, the history of leisure, it runs through every culture from the beginning of time. I mean, you can go back to ancient Egypt, Greece, the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, and you will find a habit, traditions of singing, of feasting, of dancing. Sometimes it has to do with religion, but other times it's just taking a break. The idea of holiday and rest. And some of these things are incorporated in the Christian idea of Sabbath, singing. We've done that. Hadn't been a whole while. Well, I was trying to move a little bit, a little bit of dancing, right? Some of you probably move better than I do. But there's a deeper thing that the Bible's after about rest. Rest is more than just entertainment. It's more than just having a break, the Christian idea. And a great summary of this we find in Exodus 31. I didn't have time to list all the different things we have here. So, you know, if you have a Bible, you can turn there, Exodus 31, verse 12. If not, you can open up the Grace DC app. You knew I was going to find a way. The Grace DC app has a Bible on it as well, but if you don't, you can just listen. It's not a long read. This is Exodus 31, verse 12. And the Lord, the context here is the Lord has communicated to Moses up on the mountain the Ten Commandments and what's called the Book of the Covenant, and then he talks to him about the Sabbath. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Actually, let me start earlier. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it, it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Keep it as a covenant forever. And then you move to verse 17. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. There are four whys were given summarized there. Why do we observe a Sabbath principle in our life? Number one, God commands it. It's in the law. The Sabbath ritual is the only one that's mentioned in the Ten Commandments. It's the only ritual that we find mentioned. And actually, you find it repeated over and over. And here we find the words, you shall keep above all. So it's the highest priority. Two examples. Israel was building the tabernacle. We've been studying that. Right? They're building the most important building in the world. And yet God still wants them to have a day off arrest. New Testament example. After Jesus Christ is crucified, the women who loved him wanted to prepare his body for burial. But they wait to do so. Why? Because of the Sabbath. I mean, if anything's important, it's preparing the body of the Lord 
but they still observed the Sabbath because God commanded it. And the penalties were severe. We'll get into that in a moment. Now, it does raise this question, how does this apply to us? Because you've heard me say enough that Israel's law doesn't just get applied to us, right? A theme of this whole study has been the way the ceremonial laws, the offerings, the things we looked at were pointing ahead to Jesus Christ. They were object lessons in many ways. So what about the Sabbath? And there's basically two opinions on this thing. you got some folks that will say, listen, Christ fulfilled the meaning of the Sabbath. That is, Jesus is the one in whom we find rest from our guilt, rest from our sin, rest from our striving, rest from our control. Amen? That's a good thing. And that the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 2 that the Sabbath was just a shadow of that. So you've got some folks that will say, you know, if I'm just trusting in Christ, I fulfill the Sabbath. But there are other folks would say, and I, and I fall more on this second side, this seems to be different in that the Sabbath reappears in the Ten Commandments. And so you see it mentioned in law that still governs God's people, but even in this passage we heard God saying, this is a sign of the covenant that you'll keep forever. Now, no matter where you fall on this, I think we all can agree in this. It is wise, it is wise to have a Sabbath principle. For example, there is no law against me eating junk food every day. No law against it. But it's not wise. And if I decide to disregard that wisdom, there'll be serious consequences. Right? I'm going to be sick. I might die earlier than I hoped I was going to die. Or a doctor says to a woman who's pregnant, you need to be on bed rest. It's not a law, but it's wise, right? Here's the thing about wisdom. Wisdom carries its own authority. Wisdom carries its own authority. It's not just optional, meaning wisdom has consequences. So however you land on this idea of principle rest, if you do not have a Sabbath principle in your life, there will be consequences. Consequences to your health, your mind, your soul. Even secular folks see that now. That's why Sabbath assemblies are happening, or rather Sunday assemblies. So law is the first why. All days are holy in the presence of the Lord. But what about Sunday? Does it have to be Sunday? We got a lot of evidence in the New Testament in the early church that after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, Sunday became the new Sabbath. That's when Christians would gather. That's when they would sing. That's when they would worship. An old theologian said, Christ took the Sabbath into the grave and brought out the Lord's Day. This idea of the Lord's Day being the new thing. Yet at the same time, even as Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, Paul tells us in the New Testament we shouldn't judge people about their Sabbath. I may have disagreement with the Seventh-day Adventists about which day is the Sabbath. He's going to believe it's Saturday. I'm going to believe it's on the Lord's Day Sunday. But I should refrain. Or some of us, I include myself, work on their Sabbath. So what is, how do I think about my Sabbath? Well, this is part of my Sabbath. I get spiritual rest being with you all and worshiping as we've done. But i got to have a day where I rest for my work, so that's Friday. So if you ever see me walking around Capitol Hill in jeans and a sweatshirt and a hat, and you're like, man, oh, man, it's Friday. That's my day off, okay? It, you know, there, this happened 
uh, two summers ago, it was interesting, I was walking past this restaurant on Capitol Hill, and there were two people from our church there, and I was wearing shorts. Take it easy. I was wearing shorts, and as I walked by, I saw her go, oh, hi, Glenn, and immediately, like, look at my, look at my legs and kind of just smile this nervous smile, right? It was my Sabbath. It was my Sabbath. Some of you may be in fields that require you to work on a Sunday, emergency, law enforcement. But still, you got to find some Sabbath principle. Second of all, what's the second why? Creation. I had two sections of the Ten Commandments, one out of Exodus and one out of Deuteronomy, because one grounds the Sabbath more in creation and the other uh, grounds it a little bit more in redemption. So on the second one, creation, God says don't do any work because of God's model of creation. A couple weeks ago, our retreat speaker gave us a really helpful, vivid example that some of you might remember when Zach did this. He said, let's talk about the days in Genesis of creation. Here's the pattern. Work, rest, day one. Day two, work, rest, day three. Work, rest, day four. Work, rest, day five. Work, rest, day six. Work, rest. What's com- what comes on the seventh day? No work. We double up with rest. That's how much God is concerned about the rest we would have. In fact, we're told that he rested and was refreshed. It wasn't because God was tired. His refreshment came from the fact that he actually looked out on everything he made and he was invigorated with joy at what he had seen. And we as little creators have that same thing going on. The problem is we flip it. We were made to exercise positive dominion or rule and cultivate culture. And yet the truth is for many of us, the creation rules over us. Our work rules over us, doesn't it? We struggle. Are you a slave to your email? Are you a slave to the fears of your job? Are you a slave to what's going to happen this week, even today? Is your work ruling over you? God didn't mean it to. The other thing, the creation emphasis on the Sabbath gets to us, it's this freedom to say, I'm finite, the gift of limits. I wasn't meant to do it all. I can't do it all. God made me one person to occupy one little garden of culture that I work on. For people that live and work in Washington, D.C., what a much-needed thing to hear. The Sabbath brings new creation. One theologian pointed out this. If you go to that section that we looked at where they're building the tabernacle, you find a refrain, six refrains that mirror the refrains of Genesis with the days of creation. And what you notice is on the seventh is when God tells his people to rest from the work of the tabernacle. And the implication is we are the new creation. We are the ones that God is seeking to renew through his rest. If you're feeling burned out and old, it might be Sabbath that you need to be renewed. But the fourth one would be covenant. It was mentioned in this passage. It will be a sign of the covenant. Now, covenant is a life and love bond, right? A marriage is a good example of this. A marriage is a legal, official thing, but if that's all it was, man, you would go, ha, there's got to be some love, right? I've said this before. If I ever ended it by said, you know, if I just said, by the virtue of the power of me, blah, 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 and I didn't say kiss the bride, I'd hear about it, right? 
Where's the love? People want to see it. Same thing with the relationship with God. It's not just a formal covenant. Here's the point. God gives the Sabbath so he can have a date with you. God has given the Sabbath so he can spend time with you, that you can come to know him better through worship, through one-on-one time. You know, maybe we ought to get in the habit when people say, what are you doing Sunday? We just say, oh, sorry, I got a date. I got a date. You seem to have a date every Sunday. Yeah, I do. You know, I got this great lover of my soul who wants to see me every Sunday and pour himself into me through worship, through prayer. And through that, we become the new creation. God says, I am the one that sanctifies you. What does that mean? I am the one that sets you apart. The New Testament would say you're chosen, holy, and dearly loved. I am the one that sets you apart and makes you holy and chosen. You see, this is the big difference. This is the big difference. If we said this, how do you believe that you're making yourself presentable, acceptable, and righteous in the culture? If you think it's through your job and through your labors or through your body or whatever it is, it's not God that sanctifies you. You're trying to sanctify yourself. And that's what the pagans were doing. That's what the pagan religions were doing. But God is saying, I will sanctify you so you can rest. You will rest in my righteousness. You will rest in my love. You will rest in my grace. You will rest in my spirit doing the work of renewal in you. You will rest. And this is why the penalties are so severe. In the book of Numbers, there's a story of a guy that's out on the Sabbath picking up some sticks. He's doing it, you know, under the radar. Someone catches him. Now, Moses and the folks put him in custody, even though God had given him this word, because they're probably like, I mean, he's just picking up sticks. God says, I want you to execute him. What? But you have to understand the implications of what was running through that guy's mind. If the Sabbath was a day where God said, I want to get to know you, this man effectually was saying, I'm not interested in getting to know you, God. You're really not worthy for me to get to know and I will save myself. He had other options. He could have went to his community and said, you know, I don't think I collected enough sticks, and tomorrow's Monday, or rather tomorrow's Sunday. Could you maybe lend me some? I'm sure they would have. But there was a deeper thing going on in his spirit that the Lord perceived and said, this is most dangerous because it gets to the gospel itself and the relationship with him. This man had been liberated from Egypt. This man had crossed the Red Sea. This man had been given manna from heaven. This man had had water from a rock miraculously. And yet he didn't believe the Sabbath. The Lord was worthy of his worship on the Sabbath. But the third one, or rather fourth reason we get for Sabbath, is redemption. The passage in Deuteronomy mentions uh, being liberated from Egypt, liberated from bondage, and also there's a social righteousness side we'll get to in a second. But in the New Testament, 
The writers pick up Israel's bondage and they apply it to this idea of you and I being bondage to sin and guilt. And Jesus comes and he redeems us. He releases us with a price, the price of his life and death. And so we are released from our bondage. And because we're released from that bondage, we desire a Sabbath. We get a Sabbath. We get rest. You can rest. I can rest from that part of me that thinks, I just got to keep working to get myself through. And you find a pattern in the Bible. Whenever, Isaiah 58, whenever God's people ignore the Sabbath, do you know what came next? Oppression and injustice. Because when you and I can't stop, we're not going to let the other people around us stop. I'll say this here, if you are a boss or a manager, and you have, or a teacher, and you have the opportunity to set the culture of rest in the lives of those under you, I pray that you would do it. Because you're responsible that people not be oppressed with work constantly. And God even extends this to the animals. Even the cows and the chickens will have rest because of my creation. Eugene Peterson says, Sabbath breaks the stranglehold, emotional or physical, that some of us have on one another. It prevents the stronger from exploiting the weaker, whether parents over children, employers over workers, even master over horse and mule. Everyone is given a day to recover the simple dignity of being human. This is what God intends. We heard Grace talk about persecution of the church. And, and what do oppressors do? They don't give rest. You're in bondage. They refuse to give you rest. God wanted better for his people. And it wasn't just weekly Sabbath that he put before him. There was even something more challenging. Every seven years, he would say, I'm not going to let you harvest, prune, or plant. Now think about this. You make your living from farming. Some of you come from farming families. And the Lord says, you will not work the land at all. And you will trust that either what has been made in the first six years or what I'm going to give you after that is going to be enough. And then every 50th year, there was a day of jubilee where if you had to you know, lease out your land because you hit hard times, the land came back to you. And those that leased themselves out as indentured servants or slaves, they got released. The idea of jubilee and rest. And this really, I think, gets to the key thing about Sabbath. Faith. Faith is the work. It takes sometimes great faith to rest, doesn't it? To be able to say, I'm not going to study. I'm not going to do this work. I may put my phone away. I'm trusting God. And you and I have that obligation upon us. If you are someone that's been created by God, I think that's everybody. Or if you're a professor of God, professing God, what about your faith? My inability to rest and my anxiety really comes along that line. You know, we talked about the idea of creation. And all of us are creative people. 
You don't have just to be an artist to be creative. We are all creative people. I found out early on, for my first several years here as pastor, planning the church, I didn't take a Sabbath. I just kept working, right? And I had every justification in the world to do it. I'm planning a church. That's holy, God, right? Even though Meg would talk to me about it, and finally one of the elders talked to me about it along with Meg. But I noticed a pattern. I would do this uh, in my first couple years. I would be up all hours in the night, Saturday night, trying to write a sermon, you know, banging my head off the wall. And then I'd wake up in the morning, and I'd look at it, and I'd be like, this is garbage. I'd throw it out. I'd start again. It was just a never-ending cycle. Listen, the very creativity that you need to do what you might dream of doing might be locked within the Sabbath for you. You know, do you, you feel like, man, I just don't, you know, I don't got anything to offer. Are you resting? You're, you're only finite. You're not superhuman. You need to sleep. You need to eat. And you know something? God is the one that gives the increase, right? We don't produce the increase by going, I'll just sleep less and work harder. You'll produce something, but it ain't going to be fruit. But let's just end this thing by thinking practically real quick about how do we work this out, the Sabbath. Um, we could start with the example of Jesus himself who loved going into the synagogue and loved worshiping and showed mercy on the Sabbath. But a couple different things. I wrote, I heard a group of women in our church were reading a book on the Sabbath. Meg told me, Marva Don. So I wrote to one of them and said, what are you learning? It was like, Whoosh. you know, she wrote back just this long email. And I was like, great, that's the last point of my sermon. Um, you know, so this is part of it, right? This book by Marva Don, she boils it down to four things. I'm going to do this quickly. Sabbath is about ceasing, and you saw the quote in the front of your bulletin. Can I cease? It's a day for me to don't, where I can stop feeling like I have to be Captain Achievement from control, right? It's a day where I, I don't have to do all that stuff from accomplishment. It's also a day of rest. And this was an interesting insight, she said. She said, the Sabbath is potentially a day for emotional healing. What a great vision. A day where we take the gospel of God, the balm of God's grace, and we apply it, or we get in community with people, and we, they're speaking the words of truth and love to us. It's a day where our hearts get healed, maybe from a hard week, for a long time. It's also a day of embracing the values of the kingdom, of you and I renewing our mind because we're so much in what we're doing, the world day in and day out. We've got to step back and go, wait a second, there's a city that God is building. There is a kingdom that God has established. The ethics are different. The payday is different. I've got to renew my mind. If you and I are not renewing our mind week to week, there is no way that we're going to do our jobs in a holy kingdom way. No way. There's got to be time where we're renewing our minds. And lastly, feasting. Music, beauty, food, affection for the Lord. Feast on Him. So this is how she summarizes it. Ceasing deepens our repentance for the ways that we fail to trust God and try, and try to create our own future. Resting strengthens our faith in the totality of His grace. 
Embracing invites us to take the truths of our faith and apply them to our values and lifestyles. And lastly, feast and heightens our sense of hope, the joy of our present experience of God's love and the foretaste to come. Now, a very wise minister, four is too many for you to remember, a very wise minister gave me three. He said the Sabbath ought to be different, dedicated, and delightful. Different, dedicated, and delightful. It's a day that ought to be different for you, right? Now, I'll say this. If you, if you, the way you find rest is to watch Netflix three hours a night, maybe on the Sabbath you should do something else. Not, nothing's wrong with it. I enjoy watching Netflix. You know, but, or maybe if you like, are on sports all the time, maybe on the Sabbath you take a break. Or maybe you never watch sports and you're like, you know, I'm going to watch sports on the Sabbath. You know? We're not here to judge one another, but the idea is, is there a rhythm where you take some sort of rest, whether it's what you do? A couple folks have told me, you know, it's resting from your work, whatever you call your main vocation. But some folks have told me in our community, that's a day they put their phone away. You know, it's a day where they have actually a Sabbath dinner with some friends, come together and have community. So different day. Uh, for if you, if you do manual labor, it's a day for physical rest. If you do manual labor, you probably can't wait for a day off because you're exhausted. But for some of us, it's a day of mental rest. You, you just don't think about work. And I'll tell you, it is a real discipline. We think we're so mighty, right? On the Sabbath, we need to work to be disciplined in our mindset. This might make you feel like I'm not very spiritual or I don't love you as your pastor, and I do love you. And I want you to know if you have an emergency on the Sabbath, you, on my Sabbath Friday, you better call me. Okay? <laughs> but I also want you to know, on a normal day off, I don't pray for you. Okay? I pray for you all the other times. I'll pray for you the day after. Because, you know, I need a day where I just kind of like trying to recover who I am. You need to do that too, whatever that is. Dedicated, we talked about that. It's a day to feast on God and His grace and the Lord. It's more than just coming here for two hours, right? Maybe you wake up and you pray a little bit more, or you read a book, you connect with some friends, you take a walk, you enjoy His creation. Maybe it's a day, and it's a day that's delightful. John Calvin said it's like climbing a tower and looking at and surveying God's wonder of grace. That's what the Sabbath is like. We climb up a big tower. Now, Jesus, again, admonished the religious leaders because they would lay all these rules. I'm not trying to lay rules on you. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. That means that, you know, God wants you to find rest, and it's going to look different for some of us, all of us in different ways. But I think you get the point. And what we find is this. The impact goes beyond Sunday. Uh, We spend a lot of time laboring to get rest, but what does it look like to labor out of rest? As we Sabbath together, we find that that day works its way into the whole week, but even more than that, it looks to eternity. The Sabbath is a reminder that this isn't just it. If you're not getting to do the job you really like here, guess what? You're going to get to do it on the new heavens, the new earth. Or maybe you feel like, you know, you could really shine, but you've got this, you know, area where you just can't overcome because of your own fear or some sort of 
you know, disability in your own heart and mind or body maybe, you won't be held back in heaven. We will feast, we will laugh, we will worship, we will work. That is the day of rest that's coming. And it's coming a lot sooner than we think. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the invitation to come to you and get rest. I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us, help us to find rest in you. In Christ's name, amen.